the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yesterday, here on Truth For Today, we learned that no one understands like Jesus. He understands our weakness. Today, a sympathetic representative as well. Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Hi there. Welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Emeritus Phil Howard. We turn our attention once again to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, as we continue our examination of Jesus and his priestly ministry in that he sympathizes with us. He is a representative that actually sympathizes with us. And he is understanding as well. These are characteristics that mean a great deal to us when we understand the salvation that he holds out for us in the cross. With more, here's Pastor Phil and today's broadcast of Truth For Today. We begin in uh, 4, 14 on. Uh, he's going to keep inserting warnings right along, and we'll be coming to Hebrews 6, one of the most debated uh, passages in all the Bible, if they shall fall away It will be impossible to renew them. Uh, So we'll have warning passages, but he's going to pick up now the theme of Christ's high priestly ministry. He'll deal with it in five. He's going to touch on it in six. All of seven, he's going to describe it. In chapter eight, he's going to say he's the high priest of a new covenant. In chapter 9, he's a high priest that offers better sacrifices than animal sacrifices. Chapter 10, the benefits of his death. Then we go into the Hall of Fame. So from chapter 5 on to 10, we're going to be looking at the high priestly ministry of Christ. Now, uh, before we read the passage, you've got to get this. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Let's look at 40 A.D., 50 A.D. Come to Jesus Christ. If I come, what do I get? I'm giving up temple. I'm giving up sacrifices. I'm giving up the priestly ministry that's being done at the temple. Day of Pentecost, Yom Kippur. I'm giving up all of this. For someone that was killed by the Roman government and agreed upon by the Jewish religious leaders that this is a false messiah, this is an imposter, he's a joke. Now, you're telling me to go ahead and suffer the loss of all things, kicked out of the family tree maybe? excluded from my job, excluded from my Jewish neighborhood, the price I'm paying for being identified with this false, in my community, false Messiah. Wait, you mean I'm not going to have any sacrifices? 
I'm not going to have a priest. I'm not going to, hey, what do I get? I'm in a bad way. Is it, all I get is a criminal killed by the Roman government. And you're telling me he's God and believe the gospel. He's the cure. Not an easy thing to weigh, to go from this that I could see. I grew up with it. I was bar mitzvahed. I was raised in temple. No small thing. Leave this. Follow Christ. But what do I get? Listen to what he says. Verse, five, verse 1 of chapter 5. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God. Let's, let's see. He's talking about the Old Testament order of being a high priest. Four things. Four things. Notice. Number one, he must be taken from among the people. He must be one of the people he represents. Okay? He must be a man taken from among the people. Two, he must represent the people. He, he's not going to God just for himself. He's going to God for the people he represents. And once again, just putting in context for you, Leviticus 16, the day of atonement when the high priest went in and he bore these 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel on his breastplate. He went in representing the people he was chosen from among. And what's quite interesting, he didn't represent Philistines. He didn't represent the Amorites. He didn't represent the Edomites. He only represented Israel. We had no high priest. Only Israel did. So then, third thing about him, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Thirdly, he must be able to sympathize with the people. And here he deals with the ignorant. In Numbers 15, he says that if you sin unintentionally, Sins of ignorance. You may have touched something that you shouldn't have touched. And you may have just fallen into sin from weakness. He goes on to say, if you commit a high-handed sin, which was a sin of intention, rebellion, uh, willful, he said, there's no sacrifice for that. And he's going to say that same thing in Hebrews 10. If you're willfully going against God, and you're willfully rebelling, you don't want God, there's no sacrifice. But they could make sacrifices for unintentional sins. I'll give you an example. Did David commit a high-handed sin? What did he offer God as a sacrifice? 
All he had was himself. He cast himself. He, could, he said, I, I, there's no need to bring you any sacrifices. None of them will atone for murder. None will atone for this adultery I've done. No, 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 no. None of this was unintentional. I intended to do it. I cast myself on the mercies of God. All I can offer you is it's breaking my heart that I did you this way. And God forgave you. Mercy. But it wasn't the Levitical system that forgave you. There wasn't anything in the law that could get David off. Nothing. And so here he's saying this priest is making sacrifices for the people according to Numbers 15. And so he said, and here's another thing. This guy can't just on some day say, you know what, I want to be high priest. Oh, no, no, no. Verse 4, this honor he doesn't take on himself. He must be appointed by God. Okay? So here, he must be a man to taken from among the people. He must be able to sympathize with the people. And fourthly, he must be appointed by God. Now, verses 5 through 10 is going to apply this to Christ, and he's going to reverse the order. The first thing he's going to say about Christ is he was God's divinely appointed high priest. And I would take that word and change it and just make it God's divine representative for us. The high priest, when he went back in the Holy of Holies, represented the people on his breastplate, on his heart, the 12 tribes. Now we've got someone up there that represents not only Jew, but Gentile, and all who have trusted Messiah, they are now represented in heaven by him. And look what he says here about his office. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Psalms 2-7. When did he beget him? This word beget here is not procreation. Christ was never procreated. He never did have a beginning. That's an Arian heresy that started in the third century. He was not a spinoff from God. He always existed. Why this begotten? This verse is used of his incarnation, and it's used of his exaltation. And so the one being given, according to Isaiah, where a son is born, a child is born, a son is given. He was already the son of the father, which is filial, was a family affection. I want you to know the second person of the Godhead to the father. He is my son. And according to John, he shares my nature. He called God his father because he claimed equality with God. And he never refuted it. That's what the word means. Not procreated, not a spinoff, but one who shares the nature of the Father. And God says, I have set you aside. I have appointed you. You are a son. You are my only one of its kind of son. And then he goes to Psalms 110, what Ryan preached on a few weeks ago. You are a priest forever. He doesn't say high priest in the original, back in Psalms. 
but it's applied. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, whatever that is. And we'll find out in Hebrews 7. He begins to unpackage that. But you are a priest forever. Who appointed Christ to this function? God the Father, all the way back to Psalms 110. He's saying, my son is going to take over the office of high priest. He alone is going to represent my people. No longer the Aaronic priesthood. No longer anybody from the tribe of Levi, for he's from Judah. This one is the one I appoint to represent my people in the future. So on high, who represents you? No one less than Jesus Christ. He is in the throne room with God. And that throne room, you might think of it as we go along more like a courtroom. It's where Satan charges you. It's where your sins come up before God. And someone there has to deal with this issue. Your weaknesses come up. All that's flawed about us comes up to the throne, but we have a representative. Now, second thing about our high priest. We know Christ has been appointed, but can he sympathize with us folks? Come on. I mean, we're all flawed. We're all weak. We're all beset with sins. We're beset with all kinds of problems. How can one who is God understand somebody like you and I? I mean, uh, does he really understand? Watch what it says. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And it was heard because of his reverence. What is he saying here? It doesn't say specifically, but it's, I'm inclined with other commentators to believe this is a reference to Gethsemane. Uh, At least we have the pictures of him in Gethsemane with the agony of uh, wrestling with the cross, wrestling with the cup, wrestling with the hour that he would be turned over to men throughout the Gospels. They would try to arrest him or try to kill him. And this is what it would say, it is not your hour. It's not your hour. But by the time he gets to Gethsemane, he says, it is your hour. Do with me as you will. Up to now, you couldn't kill me. One time they would start to throw him off the cliff. Watch this. He just walks through them. You try that with a mob. Going to throw him over, exercises his deity some way. He just walks right through them. I'm God. You can't kill me a minute before my work is done. Matter of fact, that's the same thing for you. Stonewall Jackson was such an incredible soldier. And one of the reasons was he believed in predestination. And his famous line was, my life and my work is immortal till God's through with him. And one of his own men shot him. And all the smoke from the battle and all that, he wasn't shot by a Union soldier, shot by a Confederate. His work was done. The greatest cavalryman of the Civil War was just shot by his own man. But he was a predestinarian. 
God's got my days numbered. God's got my life marked out. And here Christ is praying in the garden, and he's now saying uh, prayers and supplications. I'm asking for help with loud cries and tears to him. The, the rabbis had different levels of praying. They called entreaties, uh, tears, loud crying. This is a desperate man. Take this cup from me. I don't want the death that's coming. It's scary. It's not I'm on some kind of tranquilizer that I don't know what I'm facing. He's in agony of soul. Perspiration that looked like blood. I don't believe it was blood, but the perspiration was so thick on his brow, you thought it was drops of blood. He's wrestling. It's agonizing. And his disciples are asleep. Nobody can help him. Nobody can rescue him. And three times God the Son says, take the cup from me, please. Take it. Is there any other way? And all the time in his ministry, I must go to the cross. I came to die. I must give up my life. But now the humanity of Christ is crying out against the assignment. He truly entered into the anguish and agony of the human experience. And he's crying out to the God who was able to save him from death. Let me ask you this. Did God answer his prayer? He went to the cross. Probably what he's praying is, don't let me rot. Fulfill what the psalmist said. Don't let me go to Sheol and stay there and the skin worms eat my body. Resurrect me. Get me out of the grip. I must die. I know I must die. But raise me soon. I don't want to stay in Sheol. And three days was enough. Christianity, isn't it amazing, was born in a sealed cave when God said, I'm satisfied Skin worms won't eat my son and resurrected him. Just like that. He answered his prayer. He truly did. Still went to the cross, but death cannot keep its prey. Cannot even conquer death. So he's in this agony. Who's able to save him? I'm in agony about the cross. And other times he went and prayed all night. Staggered at the unbelief he was meeting. Staggered over the pain he saw, the deaths, the leprosy, the poverty. All the people were in dire straits, and he felt their pain over and over. He felt their pain. He felt compassion. This is a sympathetic high priest that can sympathize. You come to him, I can't pay a bill. Don't worry, I've been there. Death. Don't cry at a funeral. He did. Stoics. He did. He was broken. His heart ached over Lazarus. He ached over Mary and Martha and their grief. Oh, this is a Savior that is tender emotions, tender emotions, able to sympathize. And some believers are looking in your face. 
I sense none of that. Maybe you're bitter. Maybe you're stuffy. It'd be great if we could advertise in our manner, in our countenance. I want to understand you. I don't want to criticize you. I'd like to understand you. But when you're consumed with yourself, you can't take much time to understand somebody else. You know, I uh, uh, live with back pain so long and five surgeries, and I've got a daughter that lives with it, facing more surgeries, uh, just a wreck. Knees, back. Chronic sufferers are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they don't want to tell you one more time they're hurting. <clears throat> you just don't get enough sympathy to make it worth it. And just say, how are you feeling? Well, I feel like I did the last time. I'm in pain. Well, you said that last time. I thought you'd get over it. Get over it. You don't get over pinched nerves. You don't get over herniated discs. You don't get over chronic conditions. You don't get over... I'm kind of a wreck, but I'm here by faith. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I'm not hurting. Maxine Kyle, one of our dear African-American sisters, 95 now. She, if she was in good health, she would choke me. She never wants you to know her age. 95. Little Maxine. She calls me once in a while, and this is her line. Pastor, I just can't make it out like I used to. Driving herself to church till she was 93. Morning and night. And then she says this line. I just want to say, Pastor, my spirit's willing, but my flesh is weak. Do you think God will give her a pass on not making it at 95? And the body's caving in. Jesus says, I went through such agony. Matter of fact, I bore their sicknesses. I bore their pain. And there was this model. I, I don't know how to say this. You're going to misinterpret me, but I want to say it anyway. He was sad an awfully lot. For Isaiah said, he shall be called a man of sorrow. He wasn't giddy. I don't think it was a sin for him to laugh. But he was known as a man of sorrow. He was bearing the infirmities, the sorrows, the pain of the people he came among. And this is one who's known heaven, known perfect fellowship. He knew what the world was like before sin. He, knew what, he knows what perfect is. He knows what perfect environment, perfect obedience. But he said, I'm going to enter so I can be touched. So I could be touched. Some of you want exemption from human suffering. You won't go to the hospital. You don't want to work with kids. You want to be into a mature Bible study in a nice house. Because I don't want to get dirty. Don't get too close to sinners. And God forbid anybody from the hood come. Because we don't want to be bothered. We want to make believe that everybody around you is going to heaven. The majority are going to hell, and I'm afraid we may not care. That's what I have to fight. As long as I go to heaven, why care if they go to hell? Jesus cares. Do you?
That's the issue. The problem isn't with Jesus. It's with us. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time today, while Pastor Phil is the pastor emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we are still very much a part of this body. And if you are looking for a church, we would invite you to join us. Now, we know that this current crisis has us all sequestered away. So you can join us at valleybible.org, where we stream our services. Again, valleybible.org. And then, as we find ourselves released from this quarantine, we will be meeting together here in Hercules. And for information, directions, and details, again, visit valleybible.org. And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.